Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's show, uh, we're going to take an in-depth look uh, on the issue of abortion as it applies to the potential uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, the leaked draft uh, from the Supreme Court, uh, the impact it could have on the midterm elections, and what is happening on a legislative level and what Pacific Justice Institute is specifically doing uh, to defend uh, free speech with regards to this and other issues. We've got a lot we're going to talk about today and help us do this and un- unravel the- these issues. Uh, we have with us here PJI attorney uh, Emily Mimna out of our Nevada office. Emily, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning, Brad. Hi, good morning. Uh, Emily, we're gonna, we have a lot to un- un- unravel today. Many people are looking at the midterm elections, and I know, um, you know many Democrats are hoping that this is going to be the, the savior, if you will, of the party, uh, this midterm election, because right now the polls are looking very adverse to the Democrats uh, on all the major issues, whether it's border, uh, you know, border control, uh, international policies, you know, dealing with whether it was Afghanistan or Ukraine, uh, you know, Taiwan, uh, you know, d- issues dealing with inflation, uh, government spending. And I mean, there's just a whole host of issues that the Democrats are concerned about. So many of them are thinking that, well, you know, this decision ro- overturning Roe versus Wade, this, this will help the Democrats. A decision that, you know, uh, you know, they're crying for the killing Massive killing of millions of preborn babies easily, all the way up to the day the baby's born. You know that's their hope. Do you think that this this leak of the Dobbs decision is going to have an impact on the midterm elections? I, I do. I think it's not going to have the impact that most people on the left and Democrats are hoping for. A CNN poll conducted by SSRS was released um, recently. It was conducted May three through May five. So. Remember, the leak was on May 2nd of the opinion, so about three days looking at what the impact was of that um, you know, draft opinion, looking like the Supreme Court was poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. We did see, the CNN poll did find that there was a seven-point increase for Democrats who were extremely excited to vote. So, you know, basically a seven-point tick upwards in uh, Democrats who are going to be involved probably voting in the midterms. But you had a nine-point uptake on the on the other side with Republicans now saying that they were extremely excited to vote in the midterm. So there was a seven-point bump for Democrats, but a nine-point bump for the GOP. So that was a 43% total people on the Democratic side excited to be voting, uh, 56% now from the GOP excited to be voting. So it hasn't quite worked out that way. But, you know, I will say that most of the media is working full-time to uh, I, I would say stoke as much fear and I guess the word of the day misinformation as they can about the consequences of a potential overturning of roads so that that could change. And that's something I think that people um, who are conservative, people who are, who are Christian, people who are pro-life need to be aware of. And they really need to be speaking truth and facts about what the law is and about what the, the potential ruling might mean so that people don't give way to this hysteria or this fear like you were talking about, Brad you know, like, oh, they're going to take away marriage rights. They're going to take away contraception, all of these other things that Alito very clearly in his opinion said would not be impacted. But of course, you're not hearing that, you know, on most of the headlines. Right. 
it's it's interesting how the media are trying to hype up false information to their own discrediting, actually, uh, when they say, uh, and then they imply that, you know, if Roe versus Wade's overturned, then abortion is going to be banned. It's going to be illegal. And, and that's a lie. And so the fact that, you know, right now you pointed that Democrats, you know, are gaining seven points of, you know, people wanting to have it, you know, more likely to vote and versus 9% increase in the Republicans. I think we're going to see that margin actually expand uh, once a lot of these Democrats realize that their false presumption fueled by the media is not, it's not true that uh, many of these blue states like California, New York, they're still going to be just as big of uh, preborn baby killers as they were before. Uh, you know, we're going to have, you know, st- and then the, as far as these quote bans, where we're going to have is our states like Texas protecting the, um, the, 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 the preborn or the unborn at the time of there's a heartbeat. The average American, most Americans are in favor of that. Most Americans are in favor of, of, of legislation protecting a, a preborn baby after 15 weeks. Uh, when the little little uh, boy or girl is sucking their thumb and has brain waves, and uh, so I think that this opinion, this this decision, um, you know, by the Democrats to play this and the media is going to evaporate. It's going to reverse on them, and because uh, the average American, when they have the actual information, they're actually, practically speaking, in favor of reversing Roe versus Wade and bringing it back to the states uh, once they understand what that actually means versus what's actually being uh, pushed and by the propaganda of the, of the left. I understand, Emily, that if, the, the, if Dobbs' decision were published tomorrow for the draft opinion, we're looking at about 14 states with restrictions on abortion expect to be enforced, about 16 states plus the D.C. with explicit protections for the continuation of abortion, Right. That's, that's right. And you have states like Nevada, for example, where uh, unfortunately we had a constitutional referendum, actually, while Roe was on the books. But recently we had a constitutional referendum uh, a couple, well, about half a decade ago um, it, it, where we actually amended our law such that even if you wanted to, you could not have uh, the legislature here could not pass a law to restrict abortion rights. We would actually have to have a second statewide constitutional referendum. So you, you have kind of super protections in states like Nevada, where even if the legislature wanted to, it does not have the authority. And I really think you hit the nail on the head there, Brad, which is that there is not a single state in the union that has an absolute ban on abortion and does not exist. There is, uh, I don't know of any state. I've never heard of a state. I've never even heard of a law that says that there is no exception for you know the medical emergency health of a woman. And most states have other types of emergency or the so-called call hard case exceptions. And so we're seeing a lot of these polls, you know, oh, 50 percent of over 50 percent of Americans don't support a total repeal of Roe. Well, they don't support a total repeal of Roe. They don't support a total ban on abortion, but they are not in favor of what's being pushed by the left, what's being proposed in Congress right now, which is, you know, a free for all, no restrictions on abortion, you get 15 weeks, six weeks. Partial birth abortion, live birth abortion, of course, in California, AB 223, we're talking about infanticide. You know, people are not in favor of that. And when you actually ask the proper question, you get the honest answer. And I think that's what we will see at the polls. It's interesting to see the Democrats right now in a panic state. And when people are panicking, they're often uh, turning against each other. And I understand that Pelosi uh, has had a little bit of a of a spat with her a nephew, uh, the governor of California, uh, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, um, 
what what happened there? And what what are what are they saying? Yeah, last Wednesday, good old, good old Newsom. Sorry, we get his adverts here in Nevada, so we get a little taste of California. And he's out walking in the woods. But last Wednesday, he was not out in the woods. He was out in front of Planned Parenthood because what you know, what better backdrop for for the Democrat head of California? And he took shots at everybody, and he really went after the Democratic Party. I would probably say most harshly of all, what are they doing? And, you know, you need to wake up America. And, and some people are speculating that he wasn't just trying to be gubernatorial. He was trying to be presidential, you know, mm. query the mindset and the heart of someone who thinks standing in front of Planned Parenthood screaming about more abortions is presidential. But I, I think that might be a fair assessment of where his mind is at. But, you know, he came after Pelosi. He came after the Democratic Party. Of course, he also went after Joe Manchin. He said, he said we don't need any more Joe Manchins because, you know, he's not a knee-jerk reactionist Democrat. Uh, he, he went after Tucker Carlson. And so he was really, you know, pulling all the shots. And it, it seems like right now the Democrats are trying to out-liberal each other, which is a scary sight. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and in all fairness, I know there's also some internal battles taking place uh, with some of Republican races. You know, uh, where, for example, you have the, the 40th district Republican uh, primary race in California between, uh, you know, Congresswoman uh, Young Kim, uh, who uh, voted to impeach President Donald Trump, have him removed from office. A Republican. She, she voted to have Donald Trump removed from office, impeached. Uh, then you have on the other side, a uh, retired uh, Marine colonel uh, veteran, uh, Greg Rath, who's running. Uh, he's sort of an outsider, endorsed by the um, California Republican Assembly. Young Kim is endorsed by the party establishment, uh, some of whom uh, were turned on Trump. So it's interesting that even in the Republicans, even though they're in favor to do well, even with in, the, in terms of the primaries, you still see some some battles. We saw that also with the uh, the Mooney versus McKinley uh, challenge in West Virginia, where uh, Congressman Mooney was someone who was. Uh, seen as pro-Trump, endorsed by Trump, and then you had McKinley, a someone who voted to investigate uh, all those people demonstrating on January 6th, and uh, was endorsed by Democrat Senator Manchin. So uh, we we see these some these internal battles on the Republican side uh, on issues that uh, are very important in terms of who is going to uh, control uh, the Republican Party, but at the same time, uh, it's very vicious on the Democrats. Uh, with regard with regard to the Democrats and uh, and what's what's going to happen, who can be the most to the left, which I think is only going to hurt them in the general election. But we'll have to have to see what happens then. So uh, and so we'll we'll watch those uh, results and and uh, see what happens within uh, many of these primaries that uh, are um, very significant um, for both parties. Uh, is it true that more states are looking uh, to California to become sanctuary states for abortion? Oh, bless. Yes. Um, just today, it was announced that New York now has a new bill um, that is basically looking to create a mega fund to pay for abortions. They are looking for about $50 million is the current proposal. It's called the Reproductive Freedom and Equity Program. And, and what they want to do is have the New York Health State Department literally directly giving money to abortionists and nonprofit groups that you know provide quick, cheap, quick quick, easy, or free access to abortion. And, you know, like California, they want to become a sanctuary state. And when we're talking about, again, killing children in the womb, the word sanctuary really does not feel um, at all appropriate. But we are we are seeing this type of you know, reaction. Likewise, uh, yesterday, May 9, on the front page of the New York Times, big op-ed ran by Governor 
uh, governor of Michigan, writing about how she was going to make sure that her state never, ever had any restrictions on abortion, that it was her duty as a woman, claiming 2.2 million women in Michigan would somehow lose access to abortion if Roe was overturned. And so you, you have this front page article running in the New York Times about how um, the Michigan governor is you know, committed to abortion. And I kid you not, it was running right next to the New York Times map, which was you know, claiming all of these states that are going to you know, suddenly restrict or ban abortion. And they were listing Michigan because Michigan is one of the states, like you were mentioning, Brad, that has these pre-Roe, pre-Roe abortion bans or abortion restrictions, I should say, that are not enforced. And so, the, you know, there are many, many states that have, you know, some type of restriction on abortion that's not enforced, like Michigan, but with the hyperbole, they're claiming that these are the states where women are going to, you know, God forbid, lose their right to abortion. Not true. Right. And it's not true because these were pre-laws, but they're not existing laws at the, at the present. They, they've been on the books and, and they're not enforced, Right. So it's like saying they're going to dig up this law from six, you know, from, you know, 17, whatever, 1790. And suddenly that's going to come into effect. Obviously not. Don't be ridiculous. And and the the humor of that running alongside the Michigan governor's, you know, diatribe about how that will never happen in Michigan. It just just shows you transparently how dishonest they're being. But, But the goal really, I think, as you were pointing out, is to get people concerned, get people riled, get people distracted from, you know, the manifold other issues. When gas hit a literal all-time high this morning, you, you want anything else to talk about. So trying to get people worked up about, you know, imaginary, you know, nationwide bans on abortion, it, it seems attractive at the time. Yeah. You know, Emily, it's it's just shocking when you realize how the response uh, from the from the left, from the Democrats, uh, is not to try to come to the middle and be more moderate on the issue uh, because people have become more pro-life in, in, throughout America. They, we are more pro-life now than we were 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, according to the, the polls. Instead of becoming more moderate on the issue, they're becoming more extreme on the issue by wanting to pay for women who want to have an abortion from another state to fly into California, pay for the airfare, pay for uh, their their stay four thousand dollars to cover their travel expenses so they can have an abortion at the expense of the taxpayers of California. So when we see radical actions like that take place by states. I think it's going to be very counterproductive, uh, and I think this is going to be a very fantastic midterm election on this issue. What direction do we want this nation to go? One that just massacres babies up to the day they're born, potentially even after they're born, based on legislation pending in California, that would actually allow baby to be killed after it's born? Or do we want to have legislation that is uh, much more in keeping with uh, the progressive uh, developed nations of the world like Europe, which do have clear restrictions protecting the pre-born at different points from being murdered and killed inside the womb? Uh, many people don't realize this, Emily, and I'm sure you're aware of it, is the fact that uh, in Europe, Germany, Italy, Spain, France, England, they all are more pro-life than the United States, much more pro-life than the United States in terms of their laws and legislation and restrictions. So, um, you know, we, we have, uh, the only thing we can compare ourselves with is, uh, I guess, North Korea and China. Um, I think it's pretty pathetic uh, when we look at the policies dealing with abortion and the, and the pre-born, but this will be up to the voters to decide in the upcoming election. And I, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic. Now, what can Pacific Justice Institute do? What can we do uh, to engage in this battle from a, on a state legislative front? I know we have 
offices now in, in 17 states coast to coast. Um, how can that play in terms of uh, helping states adopt positive, responsible legislation, uh, reasonably protecting uh, the preborn babies? Well, the Pacific Justice Institute Center for Public Policy, which is a 501c4, directly directly gets involved with the legislative process. And, you know, for example, Matt McReynolds in California has done an amazing job really, really going to bat for pro-life causes. I mentioned AB2223, the infanticide bill, which, you know, says there's not, you're going to be immune from prosecution if your child is killed up to 30 days outside of the womb. That is defined by state law. And so, we, you know, we're fighting that. And so what we can do is we can, you know, testify, as Matt did, I think, again, just in the last week. We can submit letters to, so we can write out and show the legal reasons why the legis proposed legislation is extremely problematic and or unconstitutional. Now, I've done that multiple times here in Nevada. We, we can now do that across 17 states, and we can go to other states. Ray Hackey, our attorney from Oregon, has testified ac across many legislatures across the country you know, to defend women's sports. And um, you know to keep biological men out of women's women's sports, and, and so there there's lots of ways that we can reach out and get proactive. And with you know what looks to be the case where the abortion issue is going to be returned properly to the people, we we really do want to be proactive. And so we really encourage people to reach out because you know PJI is always litigating, always taking new clients, but we also like to work on the other end and get involved directly, even at you know the local level when we're talking about school board meetings and sex ed. And, you know, you know, I find here in Nevada that there are people who want to, you know, keep out pro-life clinics from resources being given to high school students. So there are lots of ways, big and small, that we can get involved and we do. And so it's great that we have so many partners across so many states that help us, to, you know, really make an immediate difference and, you know, kind of impact the trajectory going forward. Okay. So on a state level, we've got a game plan uh, we're going to be engaged in. In fact, the the fact that we have all these offices, more than any other comparable organization I'm aware of, on a state level for a ground game is very important moving forward, especially when Roe versus Wade is overturned and it's given back to the states. It's uh, the perfect storm, and we're well positioned for that, and I praise God for that. On the other hand, we have what's happening in Congress and efforts uh, by Congress, and specifically the, the Senate, Chuck Schumer, the Democrat majority leader, um, you know, he's, you know, he's been, you know, been pushing for a national, uh, mandate that would protect abortion and basically mandate abortion, I guess, to the day the baby's up to the day the baby's born, uh, in all 50 States, whether people like it or not in the state of Texas or Iowa or, or Florida. Um, I understand that's something that uh, we could see, uh, resurrected and brought back again. What, what are your thoughts uh, about that? And is, uh, is this uh, legislation going to be a positive or a negative uh, in, the, in the eyes of the average American voter moving forward to the upcoming midterm election? Well, the, the legislation is, is clearly an abomination. It's called the Women's, the Women's Health Protection Act. And whenever they start saying they're protecting women's health, you know they're doing anything but, um, in my experience. But this is actually a, basically a rewrite from the 2021 bill of the same name, and it, it wants to create a national federal right to abortion, you know, basically through the entirety of your pregnancy so that no state, it basically steps in and supersedes any right of a state to put restrictions on abortion, you know, including, you know, mandatory waiting periods, any type of, you know, restriction, you know, if you're at eight months and three weeks, no, you can still have an abortion. That, that is what they're pushing for. 
And I think it is really telling the fact that there's another abortion bill actually being proposed, unfortunately, by GOP senators Collins and Murkowski. And Schumer, Chuck Schumer, has rejected that and said, no, we are not going to consider anything more moderate, which, frankly, he might actually have a chance at getting passed. So I'm kind of glad that his you know, blinding commitment to abortion is working against him because he does not have the votes. Nonetheless, Schumer has said he's going to have a vote on this in the Senate tomorrow. So it'll be Wednesday, May 11. There will be a vote. He does not have the votes. I think he knows that. Some people, Joe Manchin, for example, has said that he will not be voting for it. But the other people, including Bernie Sanders, have said, well, why don't we just get rid of the filibuster so we don't need 60 votes and just go for a majority vote? So now they're actually considering eliminating the filibuster because they are so committed to this idea that they need to have the most extreme possible national abortion legislation, which, frankly, the American people don't want. No, they don't. But the, the, the Democrat Party does. And it's, it's so extreme. My understanding, Emily, once again, this, this legislation, if passed, would allow a woman in any state to uh, be able to have an abortion all the way up to the day the baby is born. Uh, when the, the most of the baby, like a partial birth abortion, when most of the baby is out of the womb, for the doctor still to go in, that, that head that's still in, and do, I won't even describe what they do, uh, without any pain medicine, painkillers to to kill that little baby. That's what Schumer wants to be able to happen. And we know that this would result in hundreds of thousands of more uh, preborn babies being murdered. I know over 30,000 lives were saved because of the Texas heartbeat uh, bill alone just in the last year. Uh, If this becomes law, this would um, result in thousands of more just within the state of Texas alone being, being murdered. Correct. Am I, am I, am I exaggerating or correct me if I'm wrong on this? No, you're not exaggerating. Current estimates are between 60 and 70 million. 60 and 70 million children have been murdered by abortion since Roe v. Wade. That that is a conservative estimate, not from conservatives. I believe that is from the Guttmacher Institute, which is very pro-abortion. So um, that 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 is the, those are the numbers. And I think something Alito pointed out in his draft opinion was that the majority of the aborted children are you know minorities. So for a party that loves to tell you about how, how how committed they are to supporting you know the economically disadvantaged and you know minorities across America, abortion is you know I, I, shockingly Kanye West actually summed it up when he said the most dangerous place for you know a child of color to be is in the womb because the you know these policies are being pushed because it's much easier. And um, actually something Newsom said in his big Wednesday speech was that it's an economic issue. And that might be the most true thing Newsom has ever said, because it's much cheaper and easier to simply tell a woman to get an abortion to act than to actually offer her help, offer her counseling, provide her with the services that so many pro-life clinics are actually stepping up to provide because the government simply isn't interested in actually helping women, actually helping you know the pre-born and newly born children. So it really does boil down, I'm sorry to say, to dollars and cents and economics and not wanting to actually support and stand with women in need, with children and with babies in need. And so I think that's what we're going to see is is that people are going to wake up to the horror of abortion and see what's going on. They do not want this radical legislation being pushed by Schumer. It is going to fail on the Senate floor tomorrow. And I don't think that the filibuster is going to be eliminated, though they would like to. And I think this is all going to come back and hurt them deeply in the polls, which um, I just want to mention PJI's does have a great program out called The Church Finds Its Voice. And it is helping churches get people registered to vote. And you can work with our full-time pastor liaison. And, you know, we have um, people that can come and speak at churches on moral issues. We have resources online about what churches can do to get involved without jeopardizing their 501c3 status. 
um, lots of ways that the church can get involved because the midterms really do matter. Um, if, you know, I think the naming of Amy Coney Barrett to the court has really shown what a difference one justice can make. Yeah, a huge difference, it's particularly when we have so many lives of the most innocent and most vulnerable uh, hanging in the balance in, in insurmountable numbers. Uh, it's, it's so important. You know, Emily, when I look at this, like you just pointed out in the African-American community, I understand the stats are that a, a preborn uh, black baby is five times more likely to be murdered in the womb, to be, ki- be aborted than a white baby. Planned Parenthood is targeting black communities. The founder of Planned Parenthood, that was her purpose, was to reduce populations of minorities, particularly black babies and black uh, blacks in America. Uh, and then we have also uh, people who are a part of re- you know, religious groups, if you will. Uh, this is a time for, for us to stand up for our freedoms and liberties, both for, the li- the, for those who are born as well as for the pre-born. Emily, thank you for joining us on the show and uh, keep up the great work. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.